Welcome to Friars in the Forum Podcast. I'm Donovan, and coming to me via Tupelo, Mississippi, is Roy. Live from the birthplace of Elvis Presley. Yes. Um, we were going to, you know, we were going to podcast normal in the other, you know, in the clubhouse back at your place, but you had a, a work trip and uh, we set up the interview with Steve Wilson, which we're going to have a little bit later on. Uh, and you are there and it's worked before and we're going to see if we're going to make it happen here. And, uh, we're good. Hey, you know, I got to pay the bills and, uh, podcasting is a hobby that does not pay any bills. Um, but my real job does pay bills and sometimes I'm required to travel. So I'm happy to make that sacrifice for my family. You, and you love the points too. You get the points, do you get the points for the uh, flights and for the, uh, hotels? I do. In fact, I fly into a specific airport to make sure that I only fly Delta so oh, they don't stick me on American and like spread my points across a bunch of different point systems. So uh, podcasting doesn't pay the rent, but we do have merch for sale. Um, we have the hey. Friars, we have the Friars on the Farm t-shirt. I just tweeted out a link. You guys, it's the brown shirt with the yellow Friars on the Farm, brown and gold because brown is back. Uh, and we also put in there a – I also put in there a um, – a changing color mug. So your mug is a certain color. You pour hot coffee in it, and then whoop, it turns brown. So you'll have the brown uh, background with the yellow fryers in the farm. We're selling them dirt cheap. Uh, check out the link, and then we'll continue to pull those out. And maybe I'll put it. I'll put it in the uh, in the notes. Uh, just some kind of cool, you know. Man, I'm thinking maybe we can we can do something with that. Maybe if a guest wants a shirt, maybe we'll send him a shirt or something like that. Yeah. But uh, if you guys are more, if you guys want to, uh, please check it out. They're pretty cool. So, Patty, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Bribes, whack. Yeah, you know, and some player is in the back lot, you know, looking wearing a shirt, just working out. Hey, what's that? Oh, it's Friars on the Farm. Oh yeah. These chumps that have a podcast. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, and like like last year, we donated the proceeds to the Lake Elsinore Storm Booster Club. And this year, I don't think we've nailed it down 100%. We're either going to do that again or we're going to donate to one of the other um, organizations that supports one of the minor league uh, teams within the Padres system. Well, certainly for that. We have we have shirt designed for Joey Cantillo. And we just had this great quote from the uh, Ryan Weathers interview. Uh, this, you can't make the club from the tub. I have that artwork from uh, Chris from Twitter. Uh, fantastic. Uh, we're going to put those out. We're going to sell those for the fundraiser. And then also we're going to have um, a Weathers report uh, T-shirt for Ryan Weathers again. Uh, and we're going to sell that for the fundraiser for the Booster Club. So we do. We will have merch selling for the fundraiser. I hope you guys check it out. It's really cool. The uh, You can't make the club from the tub quote. Uh, is pre- it's pretty sick, dude. I, I really like it. Um, we'll have that. But the Friars and the Farm shirts, I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll, if... You know, we can certainly send a lot of that money to the, to the fundraiser. We're not here to make money. Um, but I certainly um, any any of the shirts that we sell with the Joey Cantillo design or the Ryan Weathers uh, design, that money will go strictly directly to the Booster Club every penny, and usually it's several tens of my dollars and our dollars because we end up buying shirts for ourselves and our and our respective wives. And uh, so um, yeah, check that out coming up future and the in the future. Excuse me. Uh, but next batting leadoff MLB pipeline just came out with their top 100 prospects. 
So I thought that they were a little bit conservative with what they uh, what they rated the Padres players. I find that MLB Pipeline tends to prefer guys that are high minors, double A, triple A. So the Padres with four in the top 50, they've got Luis Campusano at number 50, C.J. Abrams at number 25, Patino at 27, and Mackenzie Gore at number five. Um, I was kind of, oh, and uh, Taylor Chamel at number 57. Yeah, just outside the 50s. So what surprised me right there is that he has C.J. Abrams ahead of Patino, where just about every other outlet I've seen has Patino ahead of C.J. Abrams. Absolutely. And uh, a little teaser real quick again. We'll be talking to Jonathan Mayo from MLB Pipeline on Monday. Uh, so look for that coming out next week. But I, I, that's going to be my first question is, he's 18. Yes, he, you know, he, you know, he hit 400. We're scouting the you know the stat line because we only see the stat uh, stat line, but he hit he did really well in um, you know in the rookie league, uh, particularly at eighteen. But he's super young. He hasn't seen advanced pitching, and to put him at twenty five, um, they must see something in him. And I know the speed is. We thought Xavier Edwards was fast. Like he's, you know, he's a turtle. I guess compared to uh, how quick um, AJ CJ Abrams is. Sorry. So I, I was surprised as well. Well, so they, they like that he plays the infield. Um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of doubt that he could stick at one of the infield positions. It's whether, you know, how well the defense is going to play. Uh, but nobody seems to doubt that he can hit, and nobody seems to doubt that he's going to put on power. He already has the ability to charge into a ball, uh, but he makes contact with – he makes good, solid contact with breaking balls, fastballs yeah. all around the zone. He's got a real fluid bat. It doesn't have – he's not like locked into one plane where right. you see guys that are kind of set up for something in a certain spot, uh, like a Hunter Renfro where he winds up swinging over the top of sliders because he's just grooved down the middle of the zone. Yeah, the barrel he's, control He's there. not like that. Yeah. yeah, he's got the barrel control. In the, and so there's just – there's a lot to like, and it's easy to project somebody like that. It's unusual to see somebody who hasn't really cracked single A – start to climb up these lists, but that's that's a, a tribute to what kind of a talent the guy is. You know, and uh, I, I just, who was it? Michael Black that just came out. Uh, I think he writes for Fanley for uh, for the Padres, uh, the Fanley site for the, on, on the Padres. Uh, he put C.J. Abrams at Lake Elsinore this year. Um, he only played two games before getting injured in Fort Wayne, and I don't think he skips. As good as he is, you know, your absolute man-childs like Fernando Tatis is kind of skip the high A. I really think he's going to start in Fort Wayne. I love what, um, you know, AC, yeah, AC, uh, you know, AC does with the new guys, getting him a routine, teaching them how to become a major league, you know, a big league ball player, or at least a, a professional ball player. So I think they're going to have him there and then we'll see how it goes. You know, we'll see how that freezing cold, April, May in uh, <laughs> in Fort Wayne does with the swing and the speed. Uh, but I do. I, I see him coming into Lake Elsinore soon, but he, for me, he starts in, in Fort Wayne. Yeah, the game may be able to play at a higher level. But like you said, he needs to – they need to teach him how to have – the day-to-day routines, yeah. how to prepare himself for a full season. Um, and, I mean, just the simple stuff. How do you handle road trips? Uh, what do you do about media requests, people that want to talk to you, that kind of thing? Uh, that's AC has been so good about doing that, and he's been the consistent – 
presence um, in the Padres system at that level. Yeah. So there's been some turnover at Lake Elsinore. I feel like that's more of just a, a step in between, between Fort Wayne, prove it out in the California League, and then you move on to double A. Yeah. But nobody seems to skip single A in the system. No, and that's and that's great because that's so many of these prospects are so young they're drafted right out of high school and they need that time to just become a professional ball player and sure there's plenty of 20 year olds in uh and a little bit older in fort wayne but you know it's it's a ball for a reason and it's full season which is totally different than any college totally different than any high school season so you just kind of get your feet wet and like we say ac just does a great job and you know, turning those guys into professional ball players. So I took a look at a couple other uh, prospect lists that came out recently. Baseball Prospectus released theirs in December, I want to say, and they have seven Padres players in their top 101. Uh, and Baseball America placed six Padres players in their top 100. So speaking of Baseball America, one of my favorite things to do, they have an article that somebody puts out every once in a while. It's a minor league transactions page where they just simply list all the transactions that happened in a range of dates. Yeah. So they published from December 15th to January 10th. And it lists here that the Padres signed Kyle Bearclaw, Jared Eikhoff, uh, James Jacobonis, and Ray Patrick Ditter to minor league contracts. Ditter. Now, the first three of those names I'd heard before, but I'd never heard of Ray Patrick Ditter. And it's, it's an unusual name. And so it jumped out at me. I had to read about this yeah. guy. <laughs> So Ray Patrick Ditter is an outfielder. He's 25 years old. He's from Aruba. Uh, a couple of notable Major League ball players are Xander Bogarts and Cindy Sidney Ponson, yeah. who are also from Aruba. The former Aruba Oriole guy, right? And, and Sidney Padres, Ponson yeah. with Orioles. Was he a Padre at one point? He was a Padre, I think, for a, for a season. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Xander Bogarts is a superstar. Yeah. And it sounds like these two guys grew up kind of around each other. Um, they're within a couple of years of each other. Uh, so Aruba is part of the Kingdom of the Netherlands, as is Curaçao, home of Jurix and Profar, and St. Martin, which is home of Franklin Van Gerp, who the Padres picked up last year. Uh, I should have looked this up. I want to say it was for... I'm not sure. But it was in one of those trades. He was like the player to be named later kind of thing. Right, and he ended up in Lake Elsinore. He did, yeah. He yeah. bounced around a little bit. Yeah. In 2016... Uh, Ditter was hit by a pitch 39 times. He had 37 stolen bases and 35 RBIs. I just think it's crazy that he got hit by a pitch more times than he had stolen bases or RBIs. Well, we got to replace Ty France. France is on the major league roster now, so we need we need a guy to take a ball. So what about Dwayne William Sutton? Right. You put these two guys on the <laughs> and you've got OB, OBP machines. Right. <laughs> okay, so... I, f I found this interesting. He played for the Peoria Javelins in 2018 Arizona Fall League. So that's the same team that Padres minor league players yeah. play on. That's the same team that Padres have usually have a few members of the coaching staff involved with. Yeah. So you have people within the organization that have some hands-on experience with the guy. Um, so I, I really went down a, a rabbit hole with this guy. Um a uh, 2019 Baseball America article by J.J. Cooper suggested that he could benefit from an expanded roster's 26th man, given his speed and defensive versatility. And he suggested that Ditter has the arm to possibly play a passable emergency pitcher. So he was 
signed as an outfielder. They converted him to shortstop, and then he's just kind of bounced around the field wherever they need. He's played everywhere except, I think, left field and catcher at first base. Uh, so he's just he's a speedy athlete. He draws a lot of walks, doesn't hit for a ton of power. Um, so far, he hasn't shown that he draws that he hits for a bunch of average. Uh, but who knows? It's a, it's a wild card, but I just I find that it's an interesting makeup. It's an interesting name. Um, it's an unusual country to see somebody come from. Yeah. I also find it interesting that that it's the same group of islands as Jerickson and Profar and yeah. Franklin Van Gerp, so a couple other guys within the organization. It's just there's a lot of little ties, little webs that tie together. Dude, the, the Netherlands are coming up in the World Baseball Classic and in international play. They are certainly uh, the last. The last World Baseball Classic, I'm pretty sure they made it to the, at least the quarterfinals. They, you know, they made it past the, uh, the the initial round and got and went kind of deep. And several players like uh, Jonathan Shope from the Baltimore Orioles, he, you know, he was on that squad back in the day. Um, there were a couple other players that came out of that out of that squad. And the Netherlands, you know, back back, you go back to Andrew Jones. It's from Curacao. So the, right. uh, the 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 uh, the hope to be one day my my pick for a Hall of Fame Andrew Jones um, he's kind of the most famous oldest player I think off the top of my head that has come from Curacao uh, but there are you know the Netherlands we're not talking about <clears throat> excuse me we're not talking about you know the Netherlands over by Nor- <laughs> Norway yeah I think of, when I hear that, I think of Europe right and- right. So funny shoes and windmills and all of that, but there's a hotbed of talent coming from the Caribbean, and and so they they grow up speaking like Dutch and yeah. Spanish. It's, yeah. So it's uh, I just I find that that very intriguing, a very interesting kind of a thing. Absolutely, and he's young too. At 24, you know, he's 25 years old. Uh, depth, and you know, you're only an injury or two away from from having to need him. You know, so yeah. if we have him, invite him here, uh, stash him in AAA and, and El Paso if if there's room for him. You know, and that's one of the things as a lot of these guys move up during the season, that roster is going to get is going to get tighter, tighter. You know, it, it's we maybe drop guys like this. I mean, we, uh, you know, uh, f- friend of the podcast Nick Margavichus just was released on waivers and. He was claimed by Seattle Mariners, and we just we just let him be claimed. You know, we didn't anything that we got back in a trade. It was what we have plenty of already, and that's not a knock okay. on Nick. That's just strength of the of the minor league system. So, well, I'm happy for Nick that he has an opportunity to go somewhere else and maybe crack a major league roster again. Because if you take a look at where the Padres are right now, there's so much more depth both on the starting pitching side yeah. and in the, bullpen, in the bullpen than there was this time last year. So it took an unusual convergence of events that you had a couple of guys get hurt, a bunch of guys underperformed, and Nick just shoved all winter and all yeah. spring and earned his way onto a job. No one can hit a um, curveball in spring training, and he has a nasty curveball. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um so I have one other note here about the International Winter Leagues. All right. Uh, there's a, there's a, a 
guy who's been writing for Gaslamp Ball, uh, San Diego in a strange land, who does a pretty good job of every day. He just kind of scours the stat lines and posts some some snips from articles that he that he finds. Uh, but he pointed out that Esteban Quiroz has left quite a mark in the Mexican Pacific League. The five seven left-handed hitter opened the offseason by helping Mexico secure a berth in the 2020 Olympics as the starting second baseman on the Me- Mexican national team. He then joined Los Mochis for the final Mochis. 25 games of MPL's regular season and hit 258 with two doubles, four homers, 17 RBIs. He also drew 13 walks, good for a 364 on base and a 438 slugging. That on base percentage has been something that he's consistently done throughout his career. Yeah. He then turned it up in the playoffs, batting 306 with two doubles, five home runs, 16 RBIs, six walks, and a stolen base, 10 runs for a 382 on base and a 653 slugging. Beast. His yeah, his winter season is over um, unless he's named as a supplemental player on Mexico's representative in the Caribbean series, leaving Abraham Almonte with the Toros del Este in Caribbean in the Dominican Republic as the only player still active in that series. And I believe um, Estes just won it last night. Oh, hey, congratulations to I'm, that. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I saw the tweet. It said something about yeah, the translation was for the history. Um and I was just scrolling through Twitter, and I saw that. So I knew that they were playing uh, Lysi. And it was funny because on the on the Twitter, on the uh, on the uh, on the Twitter handle, it was a maze. So like, I think Lysi won the first game, and so they they filled in a little bit of the blue from Lysi. And then I think uh, the the Estes won, and they filled a little bit in there. And like the begin in the middle was like the championship trophy. Um, but I'm pretty sure that they won, and. It is over now. So, Cespedes Family Barbecue on Twitter, they contribute to like Cut Four and MLB. Oh, yeah. But he wrote up, I, 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 I wish I had this article pulled up, um, but I think it was on Baseball Prospectus. He wrote up this whole long story. He spent a couple months in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, he's been following that. Yeah, and it was just telling about this crazy, all the stuff that happens during the game and around the game and the food and the transportation. It's a fantastic read just from a from a raw baseball fan standpoint. Yeah, I can't. He's critical about anything, and he just he, he goes into kind of what makes it fun and different and exciting than how baseball is played here. So I don't know his name. Uh, he's he's there's two guys in uh, uh family barbecue. He's the one with the glasses. That's the guy who Joey, uh, baseball Brit, stayed at his place. All and, right. Yeah. And the night before, so the game that that his last game was, was rained out, and that game yes. went deep deep into the night and finally got canceled. But his plane left at like five a.m. So he had like. Three hours sleep, you know. He had to go to bed. This is at midnight. I remember the tweet. He's like, "I get, you know, I got to catch a plane in four hours or something like that." He stayed for the whole game and just was had this long tweet of how appreciative he was and what a freaking absolute awesome time he had. He's like, "Now I got to go catch a plane in like five, <laughs> four or five hours." <laughs> that, that game, that was their championship game of that series, and it went to like twelve innings, and then the rain came. And there was a delay, and it just it stayed at a tie. And they, he thought that they were going to start the game back up at like yeah. three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Turns out that they didn't. He was able to get the flight home, get to his parents' house, and watch the end of the game on TV. And it was like 
it was like 15 minutes and the game was over just God, like that right god i gotta hate those guys they're just man they're just having so much fun i mean it's fun to watch them but i'm like damn i'm like i'm jealous of those guys like yeah major league yeah, ball players or whatever like i want to be those guys i i uh, i ran into them at the uh at the winter meetings i didn't talk to them but you know i just saw them running around they got a box full of jerseys someone handed them like a box full of these jerseys and they did a live Twitter feed with uh, with the unveiling of uh, with all these cool jerseys that they got nice um, moving on God, we can just talk about that all day and uh, so you saw speaking of uh, Kiros Esteban Kiros you saw last night that Luis Urias busted his hand up and he's done for five to what five to six weeks I thought that he's, yeah, it's his hamate bone. It's one of the small bones of the wrist. It's actually the same bone that Fran Mil Reyes broke in the 2017 Arizona Fall League. Yeah. Um, so he had surgery on that, and that's what kept him from getting selected in that year's Rule 5 draft. So then he went on to have a good 2018 season and kind of we all fell in love with him. And then 2019 continued and he got traded away. But so that's an example where he did come back fairly quickly. He didn't really lose any power. Right. Uh, so Rias should be able to recover from this probably around the beginning of the season. It just sucks that he's going to miss out on a month and a half, two months of, of prep. You know, absolutely. With a brand new team uh, and – God, you, you hate to see it, but I don't know if you guys saw the Instagram. He had some video of him uh, in a hospital bed, I guess, at Ranta surgery. Um, and he, he was pretty <laughs> he was pretty mucked up. And um, a couple of people took that video and then dubbed, dubbed like, quotes over it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, I don't, uh, and I don't oh. know where, really what he said because it was in Spanish, but he just be, he put that. He put the, uh, ah, hello. He put that out uh, on Instagram just last night. But let's move on. We got Steve Wilson coming up here in a minute. But, okay, so here's the state of the MLB, MILB relationship negotiation. So just recently, uh, several mayors of cities that are a part of the 120 plan uh, for contraction from MLB created a task force. Uh, mayors from Chattanooga, from Dayton, from Columbia. And they teamed up with in a bipartisan, which is God bless baseball for bringing both uh, both sides of the aisle together, um, they brought a resolution to the floor expressing the sense of Congress that Major League Baseball should maintain the current minor league structure rather than proceed with its plan to eliminate 42 minor league clubs. We launched the Save Your Minor League Baseball Task Force for a simple purpose to ensure a level playing field in the negotiations between MLB and minor league baseball so that they yield a fair resolution and protect minor league baseball in communities across the country. Now, minor league baseball doesn't have the resources. They have resources, don't get me wrong, but it's resources against the large juggernaut that is major league baseball. So they brought Congress in, and just today they, they put that on the floor as a resolution. So just today... So after that, Major League Baseball comes out with a statement saying you know, that they're not being constructive in their, you know, in the manner of having this this task force and you know having this resolution on the floor of of of, of Congress. So the news release that came out today goes like this. Minor League Baseball was encouraged by the dialogue in a recent meeting between representatives of Minor League Baseball and Major League Baseball and a commitment by both sides to engage further on February twentieth. 
Good. So they're meeting again on February 20th. However, Major League Baseball's claims that minor league baseball is now participating in these negotiations in a constructive and productive manner is false. Minor League Baseball has provided Major League Baseball with numerous substantive proposals that would improve the working conditions for minor league baseball players by working with MLB to ensure adequate facilities and reasonable travel. Unfortunately, Major League Baseball continues to misrepresent our positions with misleading information in public statements that are not conducive to good faith negotiations. There's, there is no need for all of this to have to be negotiated and argued in the public forum. It doesn't. This is all stuff that should be discussed in a, in boardrooms and in conference calls and that type of thing. Um, and yeah, the cat got let out of the bag when I, and I don't even know who started it, who was the one that started talking publicly about it. But when they're pointing fingers at each other and saying they're doing this, no, well, they're doing that. It, it certainly seems dis- it, it, it does. It's discordant. It right. doesn't. It, it doesn't contribute to a, right. a successful negotiation. It's like a celebrity divorce, like they're they're doing it in the media or, you know, some kind of online argument with, with well-respected people. It's just like, it just, it's not pretty. It's not, it's not professional. But I, I really see minor league baseball because this is, minor league baseball needs the public outcry. Major league baseball is such a large entity and have wield so much power in these negotiations that like they can cancel. They can just take their ball and really go home, in the, which they've said in the past. And so I, I really, you know, minor league baseball needs all the help they can get. So they're, you know, they're employing Congress. So they're getting these out, in, you know, to the media. And, you know, talking to Jeff over at the winter meetings, he's like, before we mentioned, before we released anything, before anything nothing was being said, nothing was being written. And once we released a statement and it kind of got out into the media, then, you know, then people started writing articles and it started getting out there and people are starting to know that like, we're kind of getting bullied by, uh, you know, by our, um, by major league baseball. Well, and so I'm, I'm biased because I'm a minor league fan and I'm sympathetic to, to what these organizations do and what the players and the, the people working for the teams do. But I, I try to be impartial when I read these statements, and it certainly does seem like minor league side has been very balanced and rational in their arguments, yeah. where major league baseball is swinging an iron fist right. and just trying to brute force bully minor league baseball into doing what they want. Yeah. So you'd found a little part here, and, and listen to this, guys. With specific regard to cost savings, we understand that MLB has predicted that the elimination of short season baseball would save each of the 30 MLB teams, all of which are valued at more than a billion dollars, approximately 300000 to 400000 in payroll costs per year, which in the aggregate translate to less than one-tenth of 1% one of MLB's revenue. They could throw... God, that's not even that, that's a nickel. That that's they can throw a couple dimes at this, improve, improve the facilities with along with with the minor league baseball owners. Um, they can pay the guys more. They can help solve this problem. And Jeff Lance mentioned this in our, um, you know, in our interview at the winter meetings. Is like minor league baseball is open to realigning, like. Yeah, you know the travel between uh, between teams is is really crazy. Six to eight, twelve hours sometimes. They're up for realigning 
where it's a little bit more easier. You know, it's a little more easier than you know than having El Paso fly up to Tacoma or you know Spokane or not yeah you know, up to Tacoma. Sorry, you know, and and there's ways they can do it, and they're up for that. But just chopping these teams off and you know really cutting off a huge fan base, uh, these communities. Um, just to save a couple hundred grand, it's ridiculous. It's it is absolutely ridiculous, and uh, you know, uh, shame on you, Major League Baseball. I mean, this is not even yeah. minor. That's not even Major League minimum salary. Jesus. No, no, yeah. Uh, so, it, it, what? There are people that live in remote areas that don't have access to Major League Baseball. You, I mean, Boise, Idaho is a large city, but there are places that currently host minor league teams that you don't have a major league organization within several hours. Right. And so you take that short season ball club away, and now the only opportunity people have to watch live baseball is high school, maybe college and it's going to be a low low quality level of play because right. it's not a big city. It's not a hotbed of talent. So by having the minor league team there, you have an opportunity for kids to grow up and go to a baseball game and become enchanted by the industry. And that sucks the next generation in. So somebody pointed out that Major League Baseball is being run – at, truly as a business yeah. uh, more so than when Bud Selig was was uh, commissioner that they're really looking to maximize profits and it's a very short-sighted kind of a thing they're buddying up with all the the high dollar corporate partners and they're not really advertising to Joe public and they clearly don't care about what about what happens in the large expanses of the yeah. country where you don't have access to major league baseball. Yeah. You know, and, and I can't, I don't know what the team in Boise is. They play the tri-city dust devils, but say it's the angels. And, and so everyone in Boise may, you know, cause a lot of people from Boise that live in Boise are from Boise and they grew up in Boise. Maybe they start loving the, the, the major league team. That is the Boise. Uh, I can't remember the Boise team, but you know, then, you have people going on vacations and spending time going to watch their team play in other cities and are going to the parent city or whatever, you know, and you create that fan base, but you're cutting off that bloodline, that, that blood flow, which is the heart of America. It would starts at minor league baseball. Right. Um, for accuracy's sake, they are the Boise Hawks. Yeah, Boise and Hawks. they are affiliated with the Colorado Rockies. Right. So, and so that, what that's you, one state down, right? That's like you go spend. Let's go spend the weekend or let's do our vacation down in Colorado. Yeah, but if you don't care about baseball, why do you, why do you want to go there? You're going to pick somewhere else to go. So instead, right. now you've got a family packing up in the car, and they're going to go spend the weekend in Denver because they want to go watch. Nolan Arenado play for the Rockies because five years ago they got to watch him play yeah. in Boise and they, and he came over and signed a ball for their kid. Yeah. And now the kid's a Nolan Arenado fan forever. I know your wife is not a Nolan Arenado fan. Neither is my <laughs> wife, but he's got his fans out there. But right, absolutely. The you have, you have an opportunity to engage with players, engage with the game at the minor league teams that you don't at the major league level. Yeah. You know, that you call out somebody's name, they'll actually turn and say hi. And that 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 little moment sets these seeds of thought that that create lasting memories and lasting attachments. Yeah, absolutely. So hey, that's all we got coming up here in a minute. We uh, have Steve Wilson, so stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back.
Right-handed pitcher Stephen Wilson was drafted in the eighth round in 2018 draft out of Santa Clara University in Santa Clara, California. Starting the 2019 season in the Lake Elsinore bullpen, he carved up the hitter-friendly Cali League to the tune of 43 strikeouts in 29 innings and a 9.3 a 9.93 ERA. The Colorado native jumped Double A and was promoted to El Paso. Pitching on the moon that is the Pacific Coast League, he seemed to come back to earth with 42 punch-outs and 35 innings, going scoreless in eight straight and finishing with an impressive 4.11 ERA in 25 games. That earned him an invite to the big league camp this spring, and he joins us now. Welcome, Steve. How you doing? I'm great. How are you guys today? Take two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you grew up in Colorado Rockies. So you grew up in Colorado were you a Rockies fan? Um, I was not. I actually, I was a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Um, I really, I grew up loving Mark McGuire and then uh, Albert Pujols came along. And just after watching them so many times, I really um, loved watching Chris Carpenter and, and Adam Wainwright pitch. So Mark McGuire was a coach for the Padres up until last year. Uh, did you have a chance to interact with him at any point? Um, while I was in the Padres organization, I did not, but, uh, the year before I got drafted, um, I actually got to meet him up at AT&T park. I went to a giants game. Uh, they were playing the Padres and I went with his niece who is, was a Santa Clara basketball player, uh, Morgan McGuire. And we went up to the game and then after the game got to go down into the tunnel and, and got to shake his hand and meet him and talk with him for about a half hour. So yeah, it, it was it was awesome getting to meet him after watching him play on TV growing up. So, did you were you being scouted by the Potters at that time, or was it just a random chance that you guys were in? You know, you went to a game. Yeah, it was it was completely random. Um, I think it was the it was like September of 2017. Okay. So I was just starting school back up, uh, going into my my sixth year at Santa Clara. <laughs> So you played high school and third base and uh, you played played left outfield and third base in high school. Dude, you raked. You don't want <laughs> yeah, to you don't my... want to hit? You don't want to hit anymore? What happened? <laughs> I still love swinging it. When I got up to uh when I got up to El Paso, my first outing, I was actually on deck. Um I threw I think the 7th inning and then I was on deck in the 8th with two outs and and Urias, I believe, grounded out to short for the third out. So I, I almost got an AB last year. Um, but yeah, in high school, early on, I was a third baseman and an outfielder. And then going into my junior and senior year, I would just uh, pitch. And then games I wasn't throwing, I'd play first base. So when you started the year at Lake Elsinore last year, and I know that they let the pitchers take some batting practice if they throw a shutout the, game, the day before. Did you ever get a chance to do that? Uh, yeah, we took batting practice, I think a couple times. Um, so yeah, it was, I mean, it wasn't a whole lot of swings, but, but we got to get a couple in. So that was fun. So who has the, who had the best cut out of all the players that were on there? I think you had Mackenzie Gore. I think Jordan Guerrero was up there. You had some pretty good athletes yeah. there. Yeah. Guerrero could definitely swing it. I mean, he's not a small human by any means. So he, uh, he, he had a little juice. I think he was one of the few that hit a home run. Um, I think Gore actually snuck one out in right field, uh, the short porch and right. But he had a good swing, too. I think he was supposed to be a, a two-way uh, Eastern Carolina. But his swing his swing looked nice. 
You know, I uh, I actually went up there and was there when you guys were hitting BP. I'm not sure if you were with the squad then, but I don't know. Caleb was there. I knew Mac was there. And uh, I, I videoed all that. And I think I got it on my computer somewhere. I'll have to scroll through it and see if I can't find you in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I know there's um, the the storm. I think I tweeted a video about it, yeah. like all the pitchers hitting. And there's there's one swing of mine in there. I like to think it looks all right. So you told us before we started recording that you're already in Peoria. You're down there for a strength camp. Um, is this something that you uh, – did you do that last year? And is it that something you'd like to do each year before spring training? Um, you know, if if I'm living in Denver in the offseason, um, I definitely want to keep coming down early uh, to get out of the snow, get into some good weather, get on some real mounds because back in Denver – a lot of the times I'm throwing inside and throwing off of a, a wood and rubber mound. So that's, that's not ideal. Um, I could definitely get my work in there, but it's nice coming down and getting in some good weather and getting off a real mound. Yeah. It's still freezing cold in Colorado right now. isn't it? Yeah. I, I got down here on Sunday and I think it, I think it snowed Sunday night there. So I was like, Oh, thank God I got out at, at the right time. Uh Say so your dad was a college umpire. Now they are having yep. they're you know now they're having the um, in spring training they're going to have the automatic you know the rubble umps uh, basically in spring training. Have you talked to your dad about that, or have you talked to your dad about you know as your pitcher about being an umpire and what kind of maybe makes those guys tick? Um, yeah, I mean I've talked to, at length about my dad or with my dad about umpiring and and kind of how to how to handle umpires, how to talk with them, stuff like that. Um, in terms of the robotic umpires, um, we haven't, we haven't talked a whole lot about it, but we've definitely touched on it and we're both in agreement that we think it'll help the pitchers more than the hitters. So I'm not completely opposed. I, I don't, I'm not hundred percent sure where I stand on it. It'll be nice to get those sliders that hit the bottom of the zone and land in the dirt called strikes. I'm all about that. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious to see what, how they adjust that because when we, when you see the, the highlights from the Atlantic league and from the fall league last year, there were some absolutely unhittable pitches that nicked a corner of the strike yeah. zone and got called strikes. I think there's going to have to be some adjustment to get that, uh, to get that a little bit more fair. So you said something about, um, you're working how to work with the umpire. Uh, do you, have you found that any of the catchers in the Padres organization are better than others um, as far as getting, working with the umpire in that perspective? Um, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure on like working with the umpire. I, I don't hear the conversations they're having with the ump or, or anything like that, but I would say all the catchers I've thrown to have done a tremendous job back there, getting some pitches for me. And, uh, uh, in Lake Elsinore, I had Camposano and, and Jalen Washington, and they were both great. I loved throwing to both of them. And then in AAA, had Austin Allen um, and Webster Revis. Webster. So, yeah, I liked throwing to, to all of them. Um, I know Webster's a little more of a chatty one behind the plate. Um, so I assume he made the umpires laugh here and there. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about their relationships with the umpires, but they were definitely solid behind the plate. Are there catchers down there now working with you guys, or is it just strength stuff that you guys are working on? Um, there, so I'm actually not a part of the strength camp. Um, I think that ends tomorrow. Um, but there are, I think we have three minor league catchers down here right now. 
So they're, they're helping out catching pens a couple times a week. Um, but yeah, there's, I think we only have three catchers right now. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, I hear that if, if you want to stick around baseball for a long time, being a minor league catcher isn't a bad way to do it because there's so many bullpens these guys need to catch. <laughs> yeah, well, that and you get, uh, I mean, you're involved the most in the game. So you're hitting, you you know pitching pretty well, you know hitting pretty well, you know the defense. So it's uh, it's definitely a good path. Well, so when you got drafted, so you've, you've been drafted twice. Um, how, how was each process of that, both for how to, getting scouted by teams and that communication and then actual draft day? Yeah. Um, so in 2012, my, my senior year of high school, um, I had been contacted by a handful of teams uh, the fall before and then that spring leading up to the draft. Um, and... I was actually shocked when I did, I was in high school, I worked for a park and recreation district and I worked at like an outdoor pool. I was the front desk um, associate there. And so I was sitting at work at an outdoor pool um, and I got a call from, uh, it was, I wanna say it was Brad Holland. It was either Brad or Brian Holland. I always get it mixed up his first name. Um, and he was with the Phillies and he was like, hey, Steven, uh, this is Mr. Holland with the Phillies. Um, just wanting to know what you're thinking about the draft and like kind of how much money you're looking for. And I was kind of shocked. And so I told him, and then he was like, well, if you want to turn on the radio, I think we're thinking about getting you in the next couple rounds. And I was like, wow, like this is insane. And so me and all my coworkers, we like turned on the stereo and, and sure enough, like a minute later, they called my name in the 35th round and we all kind of went crazy. Um, and then yeah, and I mean, since I was such a late round pick, um, it took a while for them to finally give me an offer. Um, had had the scenario changed, that I, I don't know if I would have signed or not, but I was, it was, I want to say July 12th or 13th. It was like right at the deadline for signing guys. Yeah. Because obviously they try to sign first round first and then get to the later rounds later. Um, but I had actually just gone on my official recruiting or my, um, my orientation for Santa Clara and we went, I went out there with my mom and my brother and we turned it into kind of a family vacation. Um, and after my orientation, I was like the 10th and 11th. We drove down to San Diego, uh, on the, on highway one. And I was in San Diego and they called and they were like, Hey, we're going to fly out and come meet you and give you the offer tonight. So I'm sitting in the business center of, of like a, a courtyard by Marriott. And we've got the, the Phillies uh, national cross checker. And then Mr. Holland was there. And I basically, I think it was about six or seven o'clock at night. And that was the night of the deadline. So I had from that time until midnight to decide if I wanted to go to college or go play professional baseball. And at the time I was 17. So my mom was going to have to sign my contract. Um, wow. <laughs> so it was, yeah, I w it was it was kind of crazy, and I think me just finishing my orientation up at Santa Clara, seeing all the coaches again, and meeting some of my teammates. Um, in my head, I was I was going to Santa Clara, and so by the end of the night, I told them like, "Thank you for the offer, but I'm going to go play college baseball." 
So, yeah, it was, it was a little crazy. You had like four or five hours to decide that big of a decision. That's, that's um, not a lot of time. And, and, <laughs> no. But, you know, they can entice you with, with uh, we'll pay for your college after you, you know, if you wash out at a high school, you know, in the 35th round. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then you go to college, you become an econ major. Yeah. What what uh where did that come from? Because we can sit and we can have a whole episode on stocks. <laughs> like I, I, me and my wife, we when we're we're believe me, we just we're regular Joes. But you know, we have okay. our little stock portfolios that we love you know, talking about. You know, the rise and fall of the of the stock market. <laughs> yeah. So my uh, my first two years there, I was actually doing mechanical engineering. Uh, I was I was really good at math and. I didn't want to write papers, so I was like, "Hey, I'll do engineering because that's a great idea." And hold, hold on, <laughs> Steve, Steve Roy, you want to rebuttal that? Uh, I I am a mechanical engineer. I went to Oregon <laughs> okay. State, yeah. and I did have to do a fair amount of writing. But I mean, even the stuff that isn't writing takes a lot of work. It's an incredible yeah. dedication of time for students. I can't imagine trying to be trying to be a baseball player yeah. and do that. Yeah, so my my freshman year, I ended up redshirting. Um, had a little bit of a shoulder issues, nothing major, um, and so I redshirted. And so school was fine because I wasn't traveling with the team, and I was able to just dive into schoolwork. And I had an extra free time. And then sophomore year came around when I actually started playing, and I, I did fine in in engineering. Uh, I'll probably say I, I maintained above a 3-0, which was good. But, um, yeah, when I started getting into the classes that had labs, it was it was too much with baseball. I mean, you're having two, three labs a week on top of your normal class schedule. And a lot of the labs at Santa Clara were like 2.30 to 5.30 right in the middle of class. Oh, or they were the late night, 6.30 to 9.30. So it was, it was a little too hectic. So after my sophomore year, I was uh, – I was thinking to myself and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm here because of baseball. There's no way I could afford this school without baseball. And so they're kind of paying for me to be here. And I, I don't think I want to do engineering. So I'd rather spend more of my time at the baseball field and less of my time in labs and in class. So that's when I decided to switch to, to economics going into my junior year. And I'm definitely glad I did that. So um, it was it was a good switch. Well, then we talked off of, you know, off of air uh, and you worked at Lululemon before, uh, you know, in the off this last off season and yeah. <laughs> we're a couple of years shy of getting that shares, man. If you would have had shares of that a few years back, it would have been, you know, I saw it back then. I was like, ah, you know, that's not my, uh, I don't know anything about it. Uh, what, is, what is a yeah. Lululemon? Is that some kind of car thing? <laughs> uh, come to find out, you know, it's women's apparel and uh, man. Yeah. So yeah, you, it has. Uh, I think it's what up over like three hundred seven percent in the last five years. Yeah, yeah. I had. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I had to, my one big stock I got. I had. I bought Tesla at thirty three. Um, okay. At several years back, and I ended up selling it at like one oh six. And uh, God, okay. You know, I ended up. I actually went on a trip to <laughs> my now wife. We all went back to went back to. I went to back to Tennessee, and she went to New York, and I ended up spending. Uh, selling those shares to kind of pay for this trip but yeah it's uh after that it's been all downhill really <laughs> yeah yeah i work i work out with a guy who who just signed with the twins in the off season he went to dartmouth his name's mitch Horacek. 
and he's a huge like finance guy and that's like his hobby and he was talking to me about that all off season because when he got drafted i forget what year it was um i want to say it was like 2013 or something like that he he invested in lululemon early on ah and yeah (laughs) and so he was always rubbing it in my face kind of joking around like dude you should have done it a while ago and i was like mitch i was a broke college kid i had no money to invest back (laughs) mitch horacek that is a a hockey name if i've ever heard one yeah he's uh he's from the czech republic so that would that would make sense so hey your sophomore season you earned the w uh the wcc rollings pitcher of the week after you held the defending national champions Joggernaut Vanderbilt to three runs in six innings with a career-high strikeouts. Uh, do you remember that game? Yeah, I do. It was freezing. <laughs> <laughs> Tennessee and... Yeah, it was, uh, it, w- it was snowing when I was warming up because uh, I threw the second game uh, on Saturday. Or the first game of Saturday, we ended up doing a doubleheader because they had a huge cold front coming on Sunday. So yeah, I threw the the first game on Saturday, and it was snowing when I when I was warming up. And then I mean, once I got in the game, I was warm and fine. But that was one of the colder days of baseball I've ever been a part of. Who was in that? Yeah, lineup? so you talk about cold baseball, and uh, you somehow skipped Fort Wayne altogether. I'm looking back here. You in 2018, you uh, split the season between Tri City and Lake Elsinore, and then this year, yeah. Lake Elsinore and El Paso. People go out to, to Fort Wayne and they talk about how brutal that first month is. I feel like you might have excelled there. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up. <laughs> I grew up throwing in in the cold. Like I had some little league games where it was snowing and I was pitching. So, um, and definitely in high school, that we had one game. I, I was just back visiting my old high school coaches, and we were talking about it was a it was a league game, and it was on a Saturday. It was supposed to be at like ten o'clock in the morning. And we showed up to the field at about 8.39, and it was covered in snow. And us and the other team, it was Bear Creek High School we were playing, we got shovels and we shoveled off the field and ended up playing at about 12.30, 1 o'clock. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, it was um, – I'm definitely used to the cold. So the baseball's got to be – it's got to feel like a, a ball of ice when it's that cold, right? Um. I haven't pitched in that kind of cold in a while, but uh, from what I remember, like when you're in the game and you're, you're decently warm, um, you, you definitely don't feel as cold as it really is. Like if you're sitting on the bench, I remember that, that second game at Vanderbilt, I was, I was freezing in the dugout. And uh, so when, when you're in the game and playing, it's, it's never as bad as it really is. So the, the adrenaline kind of helps you out. Who was in that? Who, who was on that squad in Vanderbilt? Who was on the lineup? Um, Dansby Swanson led off. Um, they had Roe Coleman. They had Rhett Wiseman, Xander Wheel. Um, Jaron Kendall, I think, was on the team then. And I'm, tr- I'm trying to think. Yeah, they were, they were pretty loaded. Um, the only reason I know so many of them by name is because my – it, fast forward a couple of years, my roommate in grad school was Penn Murphy, who had transferred from Vanderbilt. He was on that team, too. So he didn't play that game. So I never got to face him because he was actually a third baseman. <laughs> and now he's a now he's a pitcher um, who's also in big league camp with uh, the Mariners this year. 
Oh, he's right next so, to you guys. That's cool. Yeah. Penn Murphy. But yeah, that, yeah, Penn <laughs> no, Murphy. A That's a great baseball name. <laughs> hey, so your junior year, you performed a great you you performed great again with another Rawlings pitcher of the week with your performance against Notre Dame. Six shutout innings, yeah. seven Ks. Um, you're you know you're really starting to get. Are you starting to get some notice there? Are scouts starting to come out? Or you know how is it going there? Yeah, there was uh there's definitely scouts coming out. I talked to a bunch that fall. Um, that game definitely helped. You had uh, I think it was Biggio was on that team. I think he was their leadoff hitter. Um, and yeah, that's Damn, uh, dude, you can't def- get away def- from it. <laughs> well, I, I think it was my. I think we also played um, Cincinnati that year, and that's when uh, – oh, I'm blanking on his name. He's, he's with the Cubs. Um, switch hitter. Uh, is Ian he, Happ. Ian he, Happ was okay, on Ian, that yeah. team. He tore us up that weekend. <laughs> I think he hit like 800 on the weekend. Oof. So def- definitely face some good talent in college. So were scouts showing up at that point? Were you, uh, did, did you, were you aware that people had eyes on you? Um, yeah, I had, I had talked to quite a few of them that fall and, and they were definitely there um, for some of the games early in the season. So I know that there was a little bit of, uh, I know that they had noticed me a little bit at that point. So what was the process between that and getting drafted? Was there more communication than you had um, the first time around? Uh, yeah, there was there when the season ended, um, I had a, a pretty decent outing late and was up to like 93, 94 against St. Mary's and was thrown pretty well. Um, and I had talked to, to a bunch of teams at the, at the end of the season and I kind of had a number in mind. Um, at that point I still had two years left of eligibility, so I knew I had some leverage. Um, and I know a, a lot of the teams had some like, health health concerns and stuff and i ended up i got called the day three so it was day two at the end of day two after after the 10th round i got called by it was two or three teams um asking if i would take x amount of money in the 11th or 12th round and and we were trying to come up with a number that we both sides were happy with and it just it just didn't end up happening so um should I have lowered the number? Who knows? Um, I personally, I knew I could have had a better season. So that's why I wasn't, I was like, I still have two years of leverage and I'll come back the next year and just have a better season and, and go a little higher and make a little bit more money. And then at that point I would have had my degree as well. So I was kind of in a, a win-win situation. So you did finish your degree. Uh, yeah, I actually have two now. <laughs> oh, wow. What's the second degree in? So, so yeah, we'll just, we'll, we'll start on that. So after I turned down the draft that year, went and played summer ball up in Healdsburg, um, pitched, I only pitched like 12 innings that summer cause I had thrown a lot. And I think that's initially when I tore my elbow, I started uh-huh. feeling some funky stuff near the end of the season. And then I went back to Santa Clara and my elbow didn't feel great that whole season. My, my senior year or redshirt junior year. And I, my velocity was way down. I remember my last start at BYU, I was like 84 to 86. And I was like, there's something wrong here. Like 
And so I got no calls my senior year um, and then ended up having Tommy John went back to school for my fifth year and tried to throw through it again that fall. It wasn't feeling great. And then in January, um, it got to the point I used to go over the head in my windup and it got to the point where I couldn't lift my arm up over my head. Jeez. And that's kind of when I knew that was like mid January. Mm-hmm. And so, so I Wait, knew was that, that, was that was that shoulder or elbow. It was my elbow. Yeah. I would go to lift up and I would just have a shooting pain in my elbow and I like couldn't lift my arm any higher. Um, and well, I, I mean, I could lift it higher, but it was just, it was not fun. Um, and did not feel great. So I, uh, so I ended up getting TJ in February, 2017. And so, and that was my fifth year. And so then in order to have a sixth year, I had to petition the NBA or the NBA, the NCAA, um, that I was like, I had to basically make a case of why they should give me a sixth year. And so I told them it was all medical. My freshman year was medical. And then TJ, uh, two medical red shirts and kind of, you have to write a letter to them, told them like I had dreams of playing professional baseball and would just love another year to be able to do that. And so, so now that I had to go back for my sixth year in order to be eligible, you have to enroll in graduate school. So (laughs) I enrolled in uh, the business analytics program at Santa Clara um, with Penn Murphy. Uh, He came over from Vanderbilt. And so, yeah, I ended up doing, it was a 15 month program. So we did the full school year and then we were supposed to take two classes in the summer, but we both got drafted. So we went off and played summer ball and then we came back in the fall of 2018 and we, we both lived together and we overloaded on classes. We were taking five classes when a normal load was three just to finish that degree in the, in one quarter. So you can econ and a business analytics. So I, I remember Roy, yeah. I think you talked to Roy a little bit uh, in, uh, in Lake Elsinore and you talked about wanting to be a broadcaster and um, you don't want to go into business. That's uh that was Caleb after your major league after your major league career the broadcaster. Um, Boz Boz wanted to Caleb Bosley. He wanted to be the broadcaster. Oh, was it Boz? Okay, Boz. Yeah, (laughs) he's a good cat. He's he's a good cat. Oh, he's hilarious. He's always a good time to be around. Oh, so that that's interesting that let you come back at six years. So you are what like forty years old. (laughs) In college, you're what, 22, <laughs> 23? You must have been like, yeah. what's this old man? Like, what was the Reagan years like? What, what were these, you know, how were the younger kids? <laughs> yeah, there was uh, there was definitely a, a lot of jokes cracked that they call me grandpa on the team. <laughs> um, so, so that was always fun. But, um, yeah, uh, I was definitely older than everybody. It was surprising because Penn was actually – in school, he was a year younger. He didn't start college till fall of 2013. And he's actually older than I am because I was young for my grade. And so even though he was a year below me in school, he was actually the oldest guy on the team. So okay. they they still called me grandpa just because I had been at Santa Clara so long and Penn was a new face. But, but I was not the oldest guy on my college team that year. <laughs> That's so funny. So you're healthy – uh, the draft time comes around. Did you know the Padres were going to um, – well, that's a good question. 
so the rehab most of the time when that when people you know, have Tommy John surgery, you know, you're in the pros, you're with an organization, and they have a process, and they have trainers. Yep. Like, how did that work being a college pitcher? Yeah, so I, I actually I kind of lucked out. It was it was almost a blessing in disguise uh, getting Tommy John. Um, early on, after I got the surgery, I was working with our our trainer John Arson at Santa Clara. And he was, he was doing all my rehab. Um, he basically did my entire rehab up until I started throwing. And then he actually got a job over at Stanford with their baseball team. And somehow we managed to hire Stan Conti, who was in the big leagues for 24 years with the Giants and the, the Dodgers. Um, he, he lived in the Bay Area and had kind of retired from uh, Major League Baseball and he came into Santa Clara just to kind of to help out with the baseball team and kind of help the whole sports medicine department. And so I did all of my throwing program in the second half of my rehab, all with Stan. Wow. And it was it was great. I mean, he had rehabbed guys for 20 plus years in the big leagues and he he definitely knew what he was doing. Um so yeah, that, that was a blessing. I had no, I had no setbacks. I was, uh, that whole summer, I stayed out in Santa Clara the whole summer, not taking classes. And I was working the the Santa Clara baseball camps in the morning. And then I'd go do all my physical therapy and throwing after that. And so it was, it was kind of nice. Cause I could just sit there in the summer and, and focus on rehab the whole time. Didn't have to worry about school, um, was working at the baseball field. So had enough money to get by and, yeah, Stan was great. He knew we were pushing it. He said he didn't, he, he liked taking 14 months, um, but he knew that we couldn't take 14 months. So he monitored it. He, he was just great all around. So I definitely lucked out with that. And that's absolutely. And you, so you go into your senior, you know, senior year at 23, you're healthy, you're doing well. And then draft day comes where were you? Did you have a good idea that the Padres were going to take you in the, in the draft? Um, yeah, I, had, I kind of had talked to the Padres the most going into the draft. Uh, Tim Reynolds was the area scout, and um, I had talked to him. He actually he talked to me early in the season uh, when we were up playing Sacramento State, and then kind of just kept – he touched base with me here and there. And after the season um, – he seemed to be really interested. So, um, talking with my, my agent, um, we, we had a good feeling on the Padres. Um, there was a couple other teams, uh, in the mix as well. Um, obviously I was going to be a senior sign, kind of a money saver right. at some point. And we had kind of projected probably like eighth through 10th round. Cause that's kind of been the trend with, with organizations. They pick up a bunch of seniors and save money that they can use elsewhere. Um, and so, so that's what we were kind of thinking. And then I was, I was laying in my apartment um, rounds because on day two, it's what rounds four through 10 yeah, um, or three through 10. Um, so a bunch of rounds had passed. It was, it was the seventh round. And I, I was talking to my, my roommate, John Cresto. And I was like, dude, honestly, like I'm going to take a nap. I'll keep my phone on loud in case something happens. I'm just going to, kind of relax and uh i had the tracker up on my phone and i I checked one last time it had gotten into the eighth round at this point and i we had it up live on the tv and then i was checking my phone and the 
I, I hadn't heard anything from any team at this point. And then um, I refreshed the tracker and I saw my name uh, for the Padres selection. And I was like, and our, our TV was behind, so it hadn't been announced live yet on our TV. And so we kind of just started going crazy and, and turned on the TV because it was still, it was about two picks behind. And so I was sitting there with my, my roommate, John, and we just watched it and kind of like hugged and celebrated. It was great. And went out for tacos, right? <laughs> it's like, all right, we're good. That, that's fantastic. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It, just this past month has been the month where they do all the scout dinners and uh, they have their celebrations. And, you know, they always – the major leagues that they have up there, they always say, you know, you always remember the you always remember your scout. And, yep. And, and these guys have been around baseball. I, I can't remember who it was, but, you know, they're like, my scout was this guy, and it was this, that guy was my other scout. Yeah. And um, we talked to Josh Emmerich, who's the supervisor for, for uh, West Coast Scouting uh, on the podcast. Uh, that's fantastic. So you get drafted, you come in. This next, you, you know, you, you, you're 18 in the complex, 19, you start Lake Elsinore. And, you know, what's your repertoire? Where do you throw? What uh, what's, uh, what are your weapons? Um, basically, last year was uh, it was fastball, cutter, and slider. So um, I would I would mix in an occasional two-seam, get it on the hands of a, of a righty. But the majority of my pitches, it's, it's mainly fastball slider, and then I'll, I'll throw a cutter here and there just to keep them honest. Change their eyes, yeah. Keep them honest with the with the four seam. So you have got- they worked with your with your pitches? Have they like tried to mess with grip or or arm slot or anything like that at all? Um, right now, we're actually uh, I threw a bullpen yesterday, kind of working on my changeup. Um, in college, it was a really good pitch for me, and. Then after I got TJ, a lot of guys will like not have feel for their breaking pitches. Um, and I, I got my slider back right away. And then I have just struggled with the changeup ever since I got TJ, just haven't gotten that feel back for it. Uh, but this off season, it started to feel a lot better and it, it looked pretty good yesterday, but there's definitely a couple adjustments I need to make on it. So so that'll be a pitch that I think I threw it like 1% of the time last year. So I don't throw it a whole lot, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a great to pitch do, to have. Does that have something to do with the way that your arm pronates when you release the pitch, that it's a different motion from the other pitches you throw? Um, yeah, it could be. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure, honestly. I've gotten on an Edutronic camera once. I'd like to get on it again now that I'm, I'm trying to make some adjustments on it. Um, but yeah, I think for me, I think it's a little bit more of how I grip the pitch, um, and and yeah, I might need to get out a little further and pronate a little more on it. So, I'll be I'll be working on that in the next in the upcoming weeks. But it's still going to be my my fourth my number four pitch. <laughs> Dude, number four pitches for a bullpen guy, you know that's that's fantastic. That's uh, if you can get one of those to be uh, at least average, you know one of the. It, Obviously, fastball. You want a good fastball and a, and a really good secondary pitch. But if you can get a third or fourth pitch, that's there's at least a show me pitch. Hell yeah, that yeah. makes you very dangerous. Yeah, but Donovan, yeah. you call him a bullpen guy. He was a starter all through college, right? Maybe there's a chance that he could work back up and well, and, that's, and and take that over again. I almost asked that question. <laughs> Have they mentioned anything? Or because you're getting you're going to big league camp, and yeah. that's freaking huge. Uh, just to get the invite and get the experience to kind of, you know, see where, where you are, where you 
and what you need to do. You know, you a lot of these shows I, I listen to on the radio, um, you know, a podcast, your name is mentioned there with your you're invited, you have a shot to make the bullpen. Yeah, I mean it was uh it's definitely been a crazy couple of years, uh going from being a sixth year senior that just came off TJ to being in, in big league camp. It's been it's been fast and it's been crazy, but um, I'm definitely excited for the opportunity and get to pick some of the brains of the big leaguers. Uh, I got to pick the brain of a few of them last year in AAA. So I definitely learned a lot and, and looking forward to, to learning even more in camp this year. So how in- are any of those guys in camp yet? Have you been talking to anybody yet? Um, there's a few guys that are down here right now. Um they're, I don't know if I'm supposed to say if they're here or not. I don't know. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I'll, I'll refrain from doing that because I don't know. I don't want people to start showing up to the complex asking them for things. So uh, I'll stay away from that. But yeah, yeah there are, are are a few uh, big league guys here. Um, a couple that I played with. So yeah, it's it's fun having them around camp and and getting back and seeing everybody, even and all the all the. Uh, guys that I've played with in the organization so far. So people are starting to trickle in and it's, it's exciting. Baseball's almost here. Are uh, any of the clubbies in there? Like I know you had Terrence Tucker and like Elsinore, who's a tremendous yeah. human being. Um, I don't know who the, who the uh, clubby is in El Paso, but are those guys down there? Uh, the El Paso clubby's here, AJ. Uh, he's here. Uh, Terrence is not here. So I don't think Terrence ever comes to to camp because he I think he's got a bigger role with with the storm. So right. he's yeah. he's more than than just a yeah. just a clubby there. <laughs> so he stays he stays in Lake Elsinore. Yeah, he does a lot of group sales too. and stuff with them. Yeah, Sam Lewis should yeah. be out there in a few weeks too. Sam Lewis from Fort Wayne. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I haven't seen him yet, so he'll probably be rolling in. But he's a good dude. I got to know him a little bit last spring training, and he's been. Like he was a clubhouse manager at like twenty. He's he's almost a salty dog. Yeah. Like three or four years, I think three years in now. Um, yeah, we keep trying to get him on the podcast, and he's like, I I made one mistake once, and I'm not gonna do that again. <laughs> but we're not asking <laughs> yeah, for anything. We just want you to talk. Yeah, he's a he's a great dude. He's he's hilarious, and it was it was good getting to know him and just hearing from the guys that played in Fort Wayne. They love him too. So. If I think this is what he wants to do uh, for a career, and it seems like he's got a a good start, and and I think he'll have a a successful career in in that industry. So really, you know, going into spring training, uh, you have a good showing. You absolutely get on the radar, and uh, you know, long baseball season is you know the season is a grind, and guys are coming in and out of that bullpen for injuries for you know taking a breather um you, you know you don't want to i don't want to say the injury but you know you're just one guy away from maybe getting a call up during the year and i wouldn't be surprised steve if you know if you you know if you become one of the shuttle guys you know there's a lot of bullpen depth for the padres right now um but you're right there man right there <laughs> two years out of college um yeah You'll be able to pay back so your grad gonna, school money. Gonna have to be tough. You're going to have stars in your eyes. Like, yeah, your locker is going to be full of all like major league gear, and you're going to be out there next to <laughs> next to Manny Machado and stuff. So, uh, yeah. how, have you already kind of mentally prepared yourself for what that scene is going to be like, and and what you're going to have to do to to stay like humble and calm and in the moment? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, like the, the second I get on a rubber in the bullpen, like it's, it's just go time. So, I, I mean, there was a little bit of a, like an adjustment period when I got to, when I skipped double and went to triple a last year, I was just, I was kind of in shock. I was like, wow, they're moving me They're They're, I'm, they're having me skip a level. And so I was a little like, just like, wow, this is crazy. And there was some, some big leaguers down on the team and, and some guys that I knew could really play baseball. And, but the, the second I stepped on the mound my first outing, like it was, it was just like any other game I've played. So I imagine at the, the big league level, it'll be a little different. Uh, I mean, triple a, we played in front of some big crowds. I think uh, when we were in salt Lake on 4th of July, we had like 15, 16,000 people there. So um, it'll be a little different pitching in front of 40,000, but honestly, once I'm on the mound, like, it's just it's it's me and the catcher, and I, I really don't hear much else uh, from anybody. So um, I don't really hear anything from the fans, and it's just kind of you're, you're kind of just locked in, and and it's just you and the catcher at that point. Is there anybody you're looking forward to facing? Oh, uh, I haven't really thought about that question a whole lot. Um, it was pretty cool facing some guys last year in AAA. Got to face uh, uh, Bohr who was in the home run derby a few years ago. Um, so it was just, it was just kind of crazy to me. Like, Oh, these guys, I faced a lot of guys that have played in the big leagues. And um, if you told me that was going to happen two years ago, I'd have told you you were crazy. Yeah. But <laughs> well, and, and then, so go ahead. Um, yeah. But in terms of anybody looking forward to, I mean, no, I, I haven't really thought about that a whole lot. I would have to think a little bit more. I mean, obviously the big name, Players are always fun. Um, I think if I got to face Pujols at any point, that would be crazy. <laughs> uh, they're not, I don't think they're playing the no, AL West in, this year, but you might see them okay. in spring. Um, yeah. So you and Evan they're in Florida, Miller kind of had uh, – Oh, Florida. that's right. Yeah. So you and Evan Miller kind of had similar seasons from from afar. That You guys both started yep. together in, in Lake Elsinore, had – fantastic first halves made the the Cal league all-star game. And then right around the same time you go to triple a, he goes to double a. And I just looked it up. He's like, like two weeks older than you. <laughs> so you, so you, oh, guys really? are, <laughs> uh, you guys are pretty similar. Let's see. Uh, you're August 24th and he's no. Okay. May 23rd. So a little more than two weeks, but okay, w- not that far apart. You guys are both 25 right now. Eh, he's still 24. But anyway, you got set up a level higher than him. I, was there any communication as to what was going on and why you went to AAA, why he went to AA or, or any of that? Did you guys keep in touch? Uh, no, there wasn't any communication on why they made the certain decisions. Um, Pete Zamora, our pitching coach down there, when I came out of the game, the, the last game of the first half at uh, Rancho, he just uh, he shook my hand and congratulated me and said I was headed to El Paso and – and then after the game, told told Miller that he was going up, and I think there was a couple other guys moving up as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's all we really knew. And then uh, we we didn't talk a whole lot during the season um, after that until he came up to to El Paso at the end of the year. So Zamo is going to be in El Paso this year. Yeah, yeah, he's. Uh, I'm excited for that. Zamo is awesome. So I loved I loved pitching for him uh, last year mainly, but I, I got to meet him my first season as well. So 
He's a, he's a great pitching coach. All right, well, let's get you out of here. Uh, we got a quick light. Well, I got a lightning round. So in, in your Santa Clara kind of um, career, in your Santa Clara career uh, write-up, you know, you said you, you – know, obviously you're from Colorado, but you're like Frisbee gall, like Frisbee was the thing <laughs> for you. You're like soccer. You're like fishing. That's... And I'm sure you're in college you're like – Okay, I'll, you know, I played frisbee on the quad, or you know, I'm from Colorado. I better say I'm I'm a fisherman from Colorado. Yeah. Um. So. So I got. The, the, uh, go ahead. I got a lightning round here. So we want to hit the lightning round. Let him tell the story, though. Tell the story. Well, yeah. So that I think that was the Baseball America um, write up, um, and it was like a, a we talked over the phone like this, and I think he misheard me because definitely did not say soccer or frisbee. <laughs> I don't remember at this point what I said, but I definitely know I did not say those two things. Okay, well I'm going to erase those questions right now. So, yeah, no worries, because <laughs> um, I, I went back and read it, and th- there was a couple other things um, in that article, and I was like, I do not like, I definitely did not say that, and <laughs> and then there was a couple where it's like, okay, I could understand that's how he heard that, but it wasn't exactly what I said. But no, it was it was a good write up and. But there was definitely maybe maybe some <laughs> some <laughs> net, network errors with the phone. There was some bad connection or something. Drawing, you said. Maybe so. he was just making up some stuff to make you sound more interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't really play frisbee a whole lot, so <laughs> I don't know why I would have said that. Do you draw or soccer? I I, I never play soccer. Did it? You um, I drew when I was younger uh, quite a bit. Uh, I don't really draw anymore. Um, the last thing I, I actually sat down and drew was one of my best friend's tattoos for his, uh, for his grandma that passed away. Oh, that's fantastic. So yeah, I, I drew that tattoo for him. And then he ended like, there was like five people in his family that got it. I thought it was only for him. So, wow. <laughs> but that was, that was kind of the last thing I've, I've sat down and, and drawn. So I might've said that I, I wouldn't, but definitely not soccer and Frisbee. <laughs> okay. So, uh, lightning round, and I'll throw one in here real quick. Um, baseball players have a lot of downtime in between playing, in between games. Um, do you have any shows on Netflix? Do you have any shows you watch? Oh, I've watched so many, it's hard to keep track of. Um, I'm currently watching Designated Survivor. Uh, first season was good, the second one's okay. Um, shows, I definitely watched Breaking Bad. Um, Prison Break a while ago. I'm trying to think of some other good ones. I watched all of Dexter last season. Yeah. I watched all of Game of Thrones last season. Um, yeah, there's a lot of downtime. A lot of Netflix. <laughs> no video games? Uh, no. So last spring training, I played a bunch of video games. My uh, my roommate last spring training was Nick Twaits, and he had a console. And so I was playing a bunch of Fortnite all the time. Um but I personally, I don't own an Xbox or a PlayStation, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't play any video games. Uh, okay, that's good. So here we go, lightning round. Okay. Ever eat Rocky Mountain oysters? No. Broadcaster Idol. Wait, wait, that Ugh. that's for Caleb. I know, but yeah, you know, come on, he's a he's a St. Louis fan. Oh, Broadcaster Idol. I don't pay that much attention. Um, Fly fishing yeah, or. I, I, Fly fishing or lake fishing? Lake. I haven't learned how to fly fish yet. Uh, skiing or snowboarding? 
snowboard. Most embarrassing song in your library? Oh, man. Uh, I would probably have to look that up. Um, let me just scroll through real quick and see what I got. <laughs> <laughs> I ha- I've got the... Uh, that's not too embarrassing. Like the journey, hit, uh, journey, greatest hits are on here. Uh, nice. I don't have a lot. I really don't have a lot of music on my phone, so that's okay. that's yeah. <laughs> I just listen to a lot of like playlists on Spotify and Pandora. <laughs> so yeah, not not a lot of like embarrassing. I'm a big reggae guy, so there's just a bunch of reggae. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so you said you were drawer. Uh, comics or landscapes? Uh, I don't even know. Doodle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just kind of for fun. Okay. My my mom was a really good artist, and so I I kind of picked it up a little bit. But yeah, I I was never like that into it. Okay. All fi- right. So I've got one more. Yeah. How about Five Guys or In and Out? Uh, in and Out. Yes. All right. Solid answer. Yeah, solid answer. We're going to publish this podcast. We're going to publish this uh, interview. Steve, do we really appreciate you uh, you coming on? Uh, we'll both be, Roy and I, are, Roy and I are respective wives, are going to go to spring training uh, one week apart. I work for a university, so I have to go on a certain date, and they had already set their date, so I couldn't go. We couldn't go together. Last year, we went together, and, you know, we got, uh, we went, sat in the backfields and hung out and, Talk to a bunch of you guys in the in the complex, um, but you're definitely going to see both of us in the backfields uh, in spring training. Um, it's a you're with the big league club, so you're more than welcome to big league us. But if you see a couple of guys you're like, <laughs> kind of sounds familiar, but I don't really recognize the face. You can big league us, and we'll say hey. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Thank you so much for taking the time with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. 